The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madea, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. The Forever Fab podcast values truth and authenticity. We encourage our guests to show up exactly as they are, as the best version of themselves. Please note, this podcast episode contains adult language. Thank you and enjoy. Now, this next question is going to ask, it's sort of a multi-part question, but it really is one question. I'm going to ask you to elaborate on the value of each of these five attributes, you know, on this podcast, because everything is the letter F, mostly because of female, but there's forever fab, there's fab five. So I'm going to ask you five attributes, the value of each one of these. So what is the value of, the first one is, what is the value of resilience? The value of resilience I think that when you are resilient, you know, 90% of success is just getting up and putting one foot in front of the other. Let me tell you, when the pandemic hit and we were faced with our company maybe not making it, Mm. it was actually a lot easier to walk away, use the cover of what had just happened to our business. It's like, bye, we'll see you later. We'll be back again soon. This was awesome. That would have been actually really easy. Um, And it was the resilience of like, no, we got to keep going. We owe it to ourselves, to our employees, to their families, you know, to our partners to, to not do this. So I think that resilience is key to success. And if you don't have the stomach for it, then you got to get some resilience real quick. I did experience that also during the pandemic and um, being a plastic surgeon, I, it's not much work that I can do remotely. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I obviously closed my office, had to for obvious reasons. And during those two or three months that I closed my office, it it really got to me. And rather than thinking, okay, well, I guess this is it. And maybe things aren't going to get better. I thought, no, you know, my purpose, I feel, is to help to make the world a more beautiful place. All right. One person at a time, granted through the lens of beauty, holistic wellness, et cetera. So rather than just think, okay, that's it. I kept working on myself. I kept thinking about different ideas that I could institute and slowly but surely that's what felt like the right thing to do. So we have yet to see, no one can predict the future, but I agree with you about not giving up and being resilient. Yeah. So the second part of that question is what is the value of communication? The value of communication. I think that people get communication wrong. Um, Communication is not talking at someone. 
when you disagree with someone, you don't even have to say you disagree. You can acknowledge someone without even saying, acknowledgement just means I heard you, right? right? So I think that we have to reframe communication as you're talking to someone not at, you don't always have to agree, you can acknowledge. And I think that it's important to know like what your intention is when you're communicating and ensuring that that intention is sent as a particle to the other person. Um, And I think so many people struggle with that. And, And the more we can be honest with each other and vulnerable, the closer and deeper and more meaningful relationships I think you'll have. I love that word intention. I'm going to write that one down. Okay. Next part of the question, what is the value of creativity? Ooh, the value of creativity. I think, you know, everyone is a creative person. Maybe they don't call themselves an artist, but they're creative in how they do their business or how they make their pies or how they raise their children. Um, And so I think that you thinking of anything new or putting your own spin on anything is creativity. And it's important that we always stay close to that and tap into that because I think it's core to who we are as, I think, spiritual beings. I agree. I think creativity is innate in everyone. So fourth, what is the value of intuition? The value of intuition. I cannot overstate this enough. I'm going to give you some scientific facts here. There is more serotonin in our guts than there is in our brains. So when people are trying to tell you to take a drug to fix whatever is going on in your brain, they're targeting the wrong organ. (laughs) So there's a reason why people say, trust your gut. You know, yep. or that, and I'm not, and I'm not just saying that you are a body, um, but there's a reason, you know, there are enough nerves in that to, to have senses that you need to tap into because sometimes they know more than what your, you know, unconscious mind or whatever is telling you. And so I think um, there's been plenty of moments where I have not trusted my gut, where I've doubted my gut, where I've just been like, this doesn't feel good, but what do I know? Mm. And none of those have been moments where it ended up right whether it was in business or personal. So even if you feel scared to speak up, I think you'll be a lot happier if you trust your gut and trust that intuition. And you know what? If you're wrong, that's okay too. We're not perfect. Right. We're going to make mistakes. So you'd be like, but I trust it. She said to trust my gut and I did. And then blah happened. Well, what did you learn from that? You know, right. and take it as a learning. Right. Well, you know, in medicine, we call the the gut, um, the second brain, and there's definitely a connection. We call it the gut brain access. So everything that you're saying is completely fact checked. I agree. (laughs) And the last part of the question, what is the value of being fearless? The value of being fearless. So I just want to go on and say that it doesn't mean you don't have fear. Right. It means that you put it aside and you go about your dreams anyways. Fear has value. It helped us you know, survive caveman days. It's Mm -hmm. helped us, you know, go out and flee danger. But when it crosses over into achieving something for yourself, whether it's a dream or a business or a goal you have, it doesn't belong there. And so you have to learn how to take it and sort of go, great, thanks for that. I'm going to do it anyways. Perfect. When did you, let's go back to the fashion industry and sort of the business of fashion. Um, When did you first notice the lack of gender parity in the fashion industry? I didn't become truly aware of it because I only saw women. I didn't see equality within women. 
Um, I didn't see women treating each other with respect. I saw it as this cutthroat doggy dog industry that was like, wait a second, aren't we all on the same page? I thought I was, but clearly I'm not. Yeah. I, I mostly noticed it when I, um, for about four years, was a creative director at a beauty brand mm. and they were owned you know, they're making nail polish for women. This was yeah. Essie for anyone yes. who's curious. <laughs> so I did all the color for Essie for four years. Wow. And every time I had to have an important meeting with an executive, it was a man. And I was shocked that every time I met a more senior person within that company, it was a man. And I was like, we are making nail polish. Where are the women? Yeah. You know? Um, and so, and then as I expanded outside of fashion, that's where I really saw like, oh, it isn't like, you know, this might be woman eat woman in fashion industry, but outside of this, there is a whole other world out there where women are not on equal footing with men by any stretch of the imagination. So that's when it really became clear to me. Right. So that leads me to segue into the female founder collective. You established the female founder collective. What is its mission and what is your vision for the more than 9,000 women, I am one of them, who are its members. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Yeah, of course. My wi- my women. My yes. vision. <laughs> that too. <laughs> You're 9,000 plus women. <laughs> my women. Um, so I think that I launched my business with a passion without an education necessarily uh, to bridge the gap that I didn't have with business. You know, my goal and my co-founder, Ali's goal is really to give women the education they need taught by women who've done it. Mm. Um, our goal is to help each other out as a community with, I need a, do you have a, can I be a, fill in the blank. Yep. And then the seal, which is on over 3 million products to date, um, so that the consumer can eventually realize that their dollars mean something. Yes. Just like I said, stop spending on fast fashion you'll really help the environment, start spending on women, you'll really help the environment. Um, So that's our goal. And we're launching um, a paid component to the membership because we think there's even more value we can give women and just make them more successful, more wealthy. And, you know, I know that with that wealth, I, I can bet you money. It'll go towards far more positive things that support our communities. Um, than anyone else. Well, congratulations. I'm happy to be a member and will most definitely become a paid member as well. Thank you. Thanks. Your podcast, speaking of more fabulous women, is called Super Women with Rebecca Minkoff. I love that. It's about women's empowerment, right? So what are, I know you've interviewed many luminaries, but of all the people that you've interviewed, and you don't have to necessarily name names, what are the most memorable stories that you gleaned from some of those interviews? There's one I really like where I was talking to a woman in the financial arena, and she said, you know, if women talked about money the way we talk about sex and kids, Mm. how much more money could we be making right now? Wow. And, and it's asking all the uncomfortable questions that we've been taught. You know, you shouldn't ask how much do you make? What are you investing in? How much do you make on that deal? Do you know of any deals? So um, I'm guilty of it too. I'm the first one to pull out my phone and show off my kids to someone who asks, <laughs> but maybe I should pull out my phone and show my, you know, what I'm investing in, in the stock market instead. Yeah. Interesting. And, and speaking of women and money and female founders, what are some of the ways, um, that female founders may begin to overcome the challenges that we often face when we're either starting or growing a business? I mean, does, does it involve um, 
an education, a more experiential education versus getting an MBA or taking finance classes? Or does it require more funding? What what are some of the things that it really takes? What are at the core of starting and growing a business and finding success as female founders? You know, the challenges to each business are so unique that it's hard to give a one-size-fits-all one answer. To women who are raising money, the challenges that they often um, incur are, you know, they're, they're, there's predominantly, there's just statistically, there are more men in the venture capital world yeah. than women who have money. So you're going to run into more men. You're going to yeah. have more men give you that look that's like, I'd, uh, let me ask my wife about that. If, <laughs> if a woman would really use a breast pump while she's driving, I don't know. Yes, we would. You know, So I think that you're going to have to figure out knowing that the, the person you're talking to does not have the UX to even remotely relate in the same way that if I was being pushed, put, you know, pitched to invest in like, I don't know, AI gamified football, I'd be like, I don't, I don't think that's for me. Right. So I think it's like a, you know, some, some of it's discrimination and some of it's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Cause I'm not a woman. Right. Um, so be prepared and ready for that. And I think that you probably have to pitch a lot more people than maybe a male business would, you're going to, you know, pitch a hundred and maybe they all have pitch 50. Right. Um, but outside of funding, the struggles you're going to run into as a business are going to be the same that anyone runs into, you know, launching, finding product market fit, making sure you have the right customer base, you know, right. all the nitty gritty, what's your email service provider, what's your website, all that, all that fun stuff. It's intense. <laughs> it's intense. It's intense, but worth it. But I always say whether you have a partner or not, find and hire people that can do what you can't or can do something better than you. You know, any, you know, it doesn't have to be an ego thing. You don't have to be the best at it all, but if you're good at one thing, great hire around you for the, all the things you're, you're not good at. I like that hire around you. <clears throat> now let's pivot a little bit and talk about some more fun stuff. You are married. Yes. You have three fabulous children. Yes. How do you negotiate either a well-balanced life or a perfectly imbalanced life? How do you do it all? Because you well, have this I, podcast called Superwomen with Rebecca Minkoff, but I, to me, you are a superwoman. So how <laughs> do you do it all? Seriously. Okay. Um, I hate the word balance. It does not exist and it's never existed for men or women. So let's just take that word out. Okay. I think we have to go for um, life optimization. Mm. Um, I think we have to have, you know, if you are in a relationship and you are scared, you know, I make this extreme example. If you are scared to have the conversation with, with your partner about their lack of coming to the table, but they watched a baby come out of you, something is wrong. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, my husband and I are very much on the same page with an equal existence. And it was something we both, you know, both were important to us of, of, we both do the jobs, which allows me when I'm at work to focus on work and he focuses on his work. Um, and I think if one of those feels off in either direction, we're very vocal about saying, Hey, you know, I'm putting the two to bed every night. And then he's like, well, I'm making lunches every morning. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. You know? Okay. So I think, <laughs> I think that, you know, having that open dialogue is important. 
Um, and there's a really great book by Eve Rodsky called Fair Play. And it's yes. actually a book and then a card game where you, if you don't feel like you have that relationship balance at home, um, to go through like almost like flashcards. And then you can see where the inequities lie. So um, that's the home front. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. We're not in New York right now, but when we are, we have a nanny. And so obviously she can help pick up the kids and yes. help me with the laundry. And, you know, I'm not sitting there saying I do all that. Right. And then, and then at, at the office, it's team. You know, um, I would not be here without my team. And so I do what I do best. Um, my assistant does what she does best, you know, and everyone takes a load so that it looks like I'm doing it all, but there's a, there's, you know, there's 27 people also doing it all too. Right. Excellent. I like it. Life optimization. And you're never going to be perfect at all of it. You know, like you're never going to, it's never going to all be like, what did I, yesterday I was talking with someone, I was like, it's not like we get to wake up, go for our two hour workout, then get a facial, then do work for a couple hours and pick up the kids and make dinner, <laughs> put them to bed and have like a bath with a glass of wine. Like that's right. just not reality. But yeah. on every day you could have a little bit of that. You could have that's a right. couple of those and like pick from the menu right? and try and make sure that menu over a longer stretch of time is somewhat equalized. So isn't that the, uh, the saying that you can have it all just not at the same time, right? Yes, for sure. I think, I think that makes sense. So what do you do in your downtime? Do you have a self-care routine? And if you do, what is it? I would say that there isn't that, but I am, you know, I started working out every day in the pandemic, mostly just to have a way to leave the house and be away from my children. Um, and (laughs) And I just, I, I have to do that every day and I'm trying to always push the time, you know, from 20 minutes <laughs> to an hour. Um, I'm, I'm happy we start our business hours at 10 AM. So I have a whole hour to myself every morning. And yeah. for me, that's how I get a lot of my, my feel good momentum during the day. Good for you. Good for you. That is self-care giving yourself time. It doesn't necessarily have to be this active or specific activity, but you're giving yourself time. That is self-care. I would define it as such. So yeah. good for you. Um, a few fun things. What do you hope the fashion industry will look like in 10 or 20 years? I hope the fashion industry will be more representational of the landscape of the people we are designing for, whether that's color, size, um, you know, whether you have all your limbs or not, I think there's more to be done on that front. Um, I hope that we do move in a direction that when you order my stuff, you can get a bag that's not going to sit. <laughs> you know, I think we could all do better with our environmental impact. Yeah. And I think we could all do better in um, supporting, you know, independent design talent. And yeah. as easy as it is that you want to buy that thing that's $5 at that store, and maybe that's all you can afford, but could you go to a really great uh, thrift store or, or second party, you know, reseller and get something just as great and, and keep that cyclic economy going? I like it. And if I were to look into your clothing closet, what do you think you have too much of? What item? 
I have too much Rebecca Minkoff. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> As you should. But is no, there I'll, I'll tell you what I have too much of. Okay. I, you know, I don't know if you felt this way, but in the pandemic, I, I was following a lot of influencers and they were like, I was like, oh, I need a matching sweatsuit. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't just do the like ratty shirt and like messed up sweatpants that I've had since I was 20. I have to have sweatsuits. And so right. I have... I have so many and I don't wear them all and they're just sitting there and it's like, you know, everything's matchy matchy. And I'm just like, okay, well, I guess this will last me for the next 15 years. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's what I did the same. It sort of brought me back to, you know, is it the eighties when everyone had the matching, you know, sweatsuits, whether it was Adidas or somebody else. And yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing. I have yet to wear my matching jumps, my matching sweatshirts, but I will. And if I were to look into your beauty cabinet, what do you have too much? of in beauty I have too much makeup that I'll never consume (laughs) and I don't even buy it I am sent and I feel very lucky I am sent stuff all the time and I'm always like oh I'll keep this and I'll give this and I'm really trying to give a lot of it away yes but I have like a hundred mascaras like I'm never going to use that much mascara so oh my gosh too much yeah oh my gosh well um I get that I it's not that I'm sent that many things but doing what I do. I'm totally obsessed with beauty. So every time I see something, whether it's high end, low end, Amazon, Chanel, whatever, I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm going to try that. I'm going to experiment with it. I'll do a po- product review on my podcast. I have draws and draws of beauty stuff. I don't think I have enough days in the, in the year <laughs> to review them all, but I, I'm working on it. And what is the one beauty product that you cannot be without, whether it's skincare or makeup, what's the one item you cannot do without if you wear it? Just one? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See these guys right here? Yeah, they're fabulous. They're just temporary glue-ons. Um, oh. I'll share a secret, good or bad, but like I had my makeup done on Tuesday because I had a series of speaking engagements. Yes. So she glued them on and I sleep. I call it my Beyonce because I heard sometimes <laughs> she sleeps in her makeup and I'll just sleep like this and I'll just work it until the lashes, there's like one left and people are looking <laughs> at me like, just, just, Pull it off, lady, but this is my magic trick. <laughs> I got it. That's your magic trick. And similarly, what is the one fashion item? And yes, I'm sure it's Rebecca Minkoff, but what is the one fashion item that's your go-to staple that you cannot have in your closet, that you cannot not have in your closet? You can't be without it. A really great leather jacket. I ah. think it is the perfect topper to most outfits, whether it is your sweatsuit, you can look real chic all of a sudden with that leather jacket or, yes. you know, over a flowy dress. I think both work. Fantastic. And this is the last question. And the last question is always what I call the fab five. I mentioned my obsession with F's and the fab five question is what are your top five recommendations for living a beautiful and fearlessly fabulous life? And I will write these down. Okay, I'm going to take all the quotes from my book. Yes. Because why not? Why not? I love that. It's a beautiful way to close. The first one is give yourself permission to stop asking for permission. Mm. The second one is don't ask for help. Ask for what you need. Mm. Point of view is everything. Look for the opportunities in front of you. Play the wild card, go on and take the risk. And then the last one would be unfollow 
Break from the pack and go your own way. Fat, bu, freaking less. <laughs> Not only was that an amazing way to end, it's anticipatory, it's inspirational, and it, it's just a beautiful close. Thank you so very much, Rebecca, for your time, your inspiration, your energy, just your fearless fabulousness. I don't know what else to say. I really well, appreciate you for having me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.